Who am I? Am I what I do? An artist? An accountant? A teacher? A mother? Or am I what I've achieved? An honor student? An MVP? A winner? Am I the things I've done right? Or am I defined by the things I've done wrong? Am I a saint? A sinner? What about what others think of me? Am I all of these things? None of these things? Who am I? How I identify myself determines how I approach life. If I am what I do, I'll always need to do more and achieve more to find my value. If I am what others say, I'll always try to please people instead of my Heavenly Father. But if I listen to who God says I am and embrace His identity in me, I'll find the freedom to live out all He has planned for me. God calls me His child. He says I am wise and restored, that I'm a brand new creation in Christ. I am chosen and holy and blameless before God. He calls me His masterpiece. I am loved by God. He says I am made complete through the grace and mercy of Jesus, my Savior. And when I see myself the way God sees me, I walk with confidence because I trust the one who answers the question, who am I? Lessons from a worshiper. You guys with me? So let's go back to the, uh, the 12th chapter in the first verse. Um, this is six days before Passover, right? This is six days before Jesus is crucified on the cross. And this is actually Saturday night after the last Sabbath before Jesus goes to the cross. So as you know, during the Sabbath, they do not work. They do not tarry. But at the end of Sabbath, what most uh, Jewish people would do in their custom is they would have a big dinner. So they're having this big dinner, and Jesus comes to Bethany, which is about two miles from Jerusalem. And when Jesus comes to Bethany, he goes to the house of his friends, as they, it talks about in St. John, the previous chapter, the 11th chapter, his friends, who was Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus, three siblings. Now, how many of you are familiar with the story of Lazarus in the previous chapter? Anybody read that before? Lazarus was raised from the dead. And now they're showing, they're showing their gratefulness to Jesus by giving him a dinner from a wonderful experience of raising their brother from the dead in the previous chapter. I want to share something with you for just a couple moments, and I'm not going to be long today. There are three stories where Jesus resurrected people from the dead. Three. You with me? Yes. Number one, St. Mark, the fifth chapter. St. Mark, the fifth chapter, starting at the 22nd verse, there was a man by the name of Jairus. And Jairus at this point, by the time he gets to Jesus, his daughter is sick, but she's not dead yet. And while Jesus is trying to make his way there, the daughter's 12 years old. I want you to remember that. How old is she? She's 12 years old. And while he's on his way to lay hands and heal her, there's a woman with an issue of blood who had the issue for... 12 years. So you have a 12-year-old girl who's dying, and then you have a woman that's been dealing with the issue for 12 years. This woman that had the issue of blood was not on Jesus' agenda. 
Jesus was on his way to do a healing for one particular person, but this woman recognized that he was in her, in her presence. And she made up in her mind that I'm not just going to allow Jesus to walk past me and I don't get my deliverance. So she says, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And the touch from this woman was so impactful. Her faith was so strong that the Bible says that Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? Because he part, he felt a portion of his virtue leave. And at that moment, because of her faith, the fact that she touched Jesus, the issue that she was dealing with for 12 years cleared up that day. Amen. So Jesus, now watch this. You know what's so powerful about that? Wasn't no altar call. Yep. Amen. Wasn't no stand in line. Yeah. Wasn't no bring a hundred dollar C and I'll heal your issue. <laughs> All it took was faith in God. And to push through the crowd to get a touch of Jesus and a solution was there for her problem. And sometimes the reason why we don't get our breakthrough is because we don't press. But when you make up in your mind, I am going to study this word. I am going to pray. I am going to seek God till he gives me a solution. It is in that persistence that God sees that God begins to pour out those blessings because he sees your consistency. So Jesus now goes to Jairus' house. This is St. Mark, the fifth chapter. And when he gets to Jairus' house, the little girl has died. She's dead at this point. And they look at the master and they pretty much say, I don't even know why you bringing Jesus. Listen to that. I don't even know why you bringing Jesus. She dead. And Jesus comes into the house and he says, she's not dead. She sleeps. Now watch this. And the whole house falls on the floor laughing. It is just like, I know this dude is out of his mind. Now watch this. The Bible says that Jesus kicks everyone out of the room, but James and John. Because sometimes when you need God to do something powerful in your life, you don't need doubters around you. Y'all with me? When you are on the brink and you are in a place where you need something life-changing, the last thing you need is somebody in your ear trying to put doubt in your ear. And some of us are on our way to some great things and on our way trying to accomplish some things in our life, but there's that voice in our ear of our so-called friends saying, you sure you can do that? How can you afford that? How are you going to do that? Just Debbie Downer. And the reason why they have so much doubt is because they don't believe in themselves. And they'd rather keep you down where they are than push you up and dream with you and say, go ahead and do it. So what Jesus is showing us in that chapter is whenever you're looking for him to do something big in your life, you got to remove all the doubters. When I'm on the phone and I'm sharing with you, see, that's why sometimes you can't even share your dream with everybody. You learn that from Joseph. The Bible says in the book of Genesis that Joseph had a dream, started sharing it with his brothers. Next thing you know, he ends up in a pit. You can't share your dream with everybody. But sometimes you call them your friend. You think they're close. You think there's somebody that believes in you. You start sharing your vision with them. And next thing you know, they start pricing your dream. I didn't ask you about the finance. All I asked you to do was pray. Exactly. So Jesus now removes everybody out of the room except James and John and Peter. And the Bible says that he just says, Something real quick and easy. Girl, get up. Mm 
It's in the Bible. Y'all think Johnny, Johnny is there. I promise you. That's all he said. He walked. She think it sounds like a meme, don't it? Like Jesus just walked in the room and said, girl, get up. And she got up. And that's all it took was those simple words for a resurrection. But there were so many people around that would have ruined it if he would allow doubters in the room. And some of you are right there on the brink of something big in your life, but you got doubters in the room. And you're never going to get to that plateau or that place in your life till you remove the negativity and remove anybody from putting something in your ear that it's impossible when God has already given you the dream. Y'all with me? So that's number one. He raised that girl from the dead. Number two, watch this. There was a widow who only had one son. Now, if you're familiar with biblical times, a son took care of his mother if the father died. So not only is her husband dead. Oh, man, I can't wait till we do Ruth next month. Not only is her husband dead, but her son is dead, which means she has no finance coming in. Can y'all imagine that kind of funeral? This is a different time. This ain't 2019. Women get up and go to work. So they're, they're carrying his body to the grave. And the Bible says Jesus stops the funeral and tells the young man to get up and arise. And he, can y'all imagine? And yeah, that's right. Carol, like, no, I can't. This is a different time. See, nowadays we got embalming fluid. So when they in that, in that casket, by the time you get there, they gone. <laughs> they gone. But, but back in those days, they, they buried the body within three days. So the funeral was quick. You died. You better be dead because you're going to be on the ground in three days. Ain't no time to be. I wonder if he had a fever. No, you gone, bro. So, so his body is inside of the casket. They're walking it. Jesus stops the funeral and raises the young man from the dead. Now watch this. And bam, he's back alive. Sounds good, don't it? Now peep this. Y'all with me? The girl had a fever. And she's dead. Young man is on his way to the grave. He's dead. And there's still doubters after Jesus had done those. Well, maybe, y'all with me? Maybe she just had a fever and her heart stopped for a quick a couple seconds and she wasn't really dead. That's how some of us are when God do a miracle. Maybe he wasn't always dead. Maybe he was just in a comatose state and, you know, they didn't have medicine back then. So, you know, he wasn't really dead. He was he just breathed softly. So this is what Jesus does. Jesus says, I'm going to show you all how powerful I am. Lazarus dies. Y'all with me? And they come to him and they say, Lazarus, the one that you love is dead. Watch this. And Jesus chills. And they like, nah, you understand he dead. Come on, hurry up. We done seen what you did with those two. Nah, 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 nah. I'm going to just chill this time because what I'm getting ready to do ain't going to be no doubters. Y'all with me? So he waits a while. Not just a while, but he waits four days. And I told you they like to put the body in the grave within three. Jesus said, I'm going to let them see him really dead. I want them to feel the stiffness in his body. I want them to feel the coldness. 
I want them to see the rigor mortis start coming. I want them to see the maggots and the flies start taking over the body. I want them to see who I really am. I want them to see that I am the resurrection and the life. I need to just give it a little time so y'all can recognize that there's only one person that can do this, and it's me, myself, and I. Y'all need to understand that sometimes God will put you inside of situations, leave you out there for a while so that when he brings you out, there will be no testimony that nobody else could have did it but him. Y'all with me in here? So now it has been four days and the body Bible says that his body stinketh. And by the time he gets to Bethany, I'm in the 11th chapter of St. John. Y'all can read this when you get home. By the time he gets to Bethany, it's four days later. And Martha comes to him and said, had you been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus says, this shall be done for the glory of God. He then tells her, go get your sister. Watch this. There's some key points here. Grabs his sister. She grabs her sister. She runs. It's the 11th chapter. She runs and she runs to his feet, falls at his feet. Falls where? And when she falls at his feet, she said, had you been here, my brother would not have. But if you go up a couple verses earlier in that 11th chapter, Jesus said that Lazarus wasn't dead, but he slept. But she has already given up hope on what God's word had already proclaimed. Been dead so long that they put grave clothes on him. They put his best on. So good that they put him inside of the grave and put the mouth of the cave over his grave as a symbolization that it was over. And Jesus says, because I told you that he's sleeping, he wasn't dead. What y'all going to do is y'all going to get up there and y'all going to roll that grave back. And the Bible says that he screams Lazarus' name. And when he calls his name, Lazarus comes out of the grave and the Bible says, loose him and the grave clothes come off of him and he comes out completely free. Ain't that powerful? But can I show you something? The thing with that, that resurrection is although it was powerful and although it appears that he was the first one that was really resurrected, the problem was that he came back alive, but then he also had to die again. Because if Lazarus would have resurrected and lived forever, then he would have had to have had the testimony of the Savior. Yes, that's right. That's right. So there is only one that has died on the cross once, yes. came back to life, and has never died again, and his name is Jesus. Jesus. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Y'all with me? Yes. So now we finally go through all that. I went through all that just to go here. And we get here now that six days before Passover, Jesus comes back to the house of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, and Bethany, the one that Jesus had raised from the dead, and they gave him a dinner. Y'all with me? Martha was, uh-huh, and Lazarus was reclining, and Mary was worshiping. There's three different types of people in the church. There are those that serve, those that sit, and those that worship. Which one are you? Y'all quiet. There's the server. There's the worshiper. And there's the chiller. 
I don't got a title for them. <laughs> They're the ones that can sit there and tell you everything wrong with the service, but ain't do no participation. There's the worshiper, there's the server, there's the sitter. And they're all chilling here. Now watch this. Martha serving. Lazarus is not just sitting, but he's reclining. My man got an easy chair back in the BC days. Then Mary, watch this. I'm almost done. Took a pound of fragrant oil, pure and expensive nard, and anointed Jesus' feet. Lessons of a worshiper. Number one, the last time she was at Jesus' feet, she had doubt. He had told her that her brother was sleeping, and she went to his feet and told him that he was dead. So now she recognizes that the next time I come to his feet, I'm not going to come to his feet with doubt. I'm going to come to his feet with worship. Mm. Y'all with me? Too many times we come to Jesus with the solution, but we don't come to Jesus to give us a solution. Too many times we come to Jesus with the answers, but we don't come to him for an answer. So what she does is she makes up in her mind, rather than me coming to him crying about what's going on, I'm going to cry out to him with worship. Are y'all with me? So she goes to his feet and she begins to worship at his feet. Now watch this. She anoints his feet and wipes the feet with her what? First Corinthians 11 and 5 says that a woman's glory is her. So when she begins to take her hair, she takes her glory and puts her glory on the feet of Jesus. What does that mean? It means that when I come to Jesus, it is nothing about me. All the glory belongs to him. The lesson of a worshiper is when you can give yourself up and give it all to Jesus. Do I got anybody in here that knows what I'm talking about? That when I come to church, it's not about me. That when I open my mouth and I lift my voice, it's not about my issues. That when I begin to raise my voice and cry out to God, I don't care what none of y'all think. What I'm doing right now is I'm giving God all the glory because there is nothing that I could do without him. I would be dead. I would be lost. My soul would be messed up. My life would be out of order. My family be strung out. I'd be strung out. I have a whole nother testimony. But because I'm here today and because my life has been changed and because I know how good he's been in my life, I have to give him all of my glory. She fell for the rope of dope before. And what she recognizes next time I get an opportunity to get at his feet, yes, sir. I'm going to give him my all. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've been here before. Yes. But the next time he comes in my presence, yes. after I witness what he has done over and over and over and over again, yes. I got to give him a glory. Yes. I got to give him all my glory. Anybody ever do something before where you just thought that you know, maybe God, you ain't going to challenge his authority, but maybe, maybe, you know, this just wasn't God's will. You ever lie to yourself? Maybe it was, maybe this just ain't God's will. And then God just shows up and does something at his own time, mm-hmm. not at the time that you expect it. And then you sitting there with the swole face. <laughs> y- y'all know what I'm talking about? Maybe. Uh, maybe, maybe that job just ain't for me. Maybe it, next thing you know, two weeks later they call, and you done gave up on it. 
because too many times you're trying to put things in your box and in your time and in what you plan it to happen and how you plan it to happen. And because God knows you have a plan sometimes and it's not aligned with his plan, he just sits back. Because he wants to get all of the glory in the situation. And not only for you, but he wants to get all the glory in the situation for people from the outside. Because he wants your life to be a testimony to people around you. Are y'all with me? He wants your life to be a testimony to the people around you. So sometimes he'll lay you out and he'll put you in some down and out situations to build you back up. So that people around you can say, man, I know Kara, God is on her side because there's no way in the world that Kara came out of that mess that she came out of if it was not for the Lord on her side. And the last thing that Kara can do after God has done something like that is to come in here indignant and act like she had it all together when she knows that it had nothing to do but the glory of God. All she has, all she can do is just lay his glory at his feet and say, God, this was all you so watch this she not only lays her glory on him but she gives her all to him this oil this nard is about a year's salary i want you to imagine getting paid on january 1st and giving it all to god on january 2nd y'all quiet <laughs> what you think about what you think about taking your savings right now and laying your savings at the altar saying God this belongs to you ain't that something you know what's so powerful about that it's because when you look at what she's been through she recognizes that that's nothing compared to what God can do I done watched God raise my brother from the dead who had been there laying in the grave for four days. What's some nard? <laughs> Y'all cry. I done seen God do something so miraculous. What is just oil? When you begin to see how much God's blessings have outweighed your contribution back to him, yes, you begin to realize that everything I give to him is nothing in comparison to what he has given me. All right, y'all like, oh, uh, I'm still broke right now. I'm going to help you real quick. Somebody go. That's God. The fact that you're breathing right now. That's that's the stuff we take for granted. Y'all with me? That's the stuff that we take for granted. Somebody wave your arms. That's the stuff you take for granted. Somebody just blink. That's the stuff you take for granted. That's the little stuff that God is doing in our lives every single moment. While you're sitting here waiting on a paycheck, God is working in your now. <laughs> and, and one thing I had to learn how to encourage myself with is when I begin to become under pressure, under stressor, stress, I begin to realize that if I wake up, then it's another day of purpose. That God found some reason to wake me up. Y'all, y'all quiet here. God must have given, God must see something in me to wake me up regardless of what I'm going through. 
So therefore, rather than me sitting here gloating and having a fit and a pity party over what I don't have, I now have to wake up in the morning and understand that I'm breathing, I'm blanking, and I'm moving because there's still some purpose yes. that God has in store for me in my life. Yes. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I need you to understand that if you're sitting here right now, if you're still alive, there's still some purpose. Because God would have no need for you to be here if you don't have a purpose. He could have took you last night in your sleep. He could have taken you at birth. He could have not even allowed you to be here. But because you are here, there's purpose in you being here. And now it's time for us to find our purpose. I'm almost done. So now she comes and she gives her all and she lays her all. Watch this on the feet of Jesus. And when she lays her all on the feet of Jesus, the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. Then one of his disciples, Judas, said, why wasn't this woman's oil sold for 300? Look at this. This man is putting a value on her worship. Y'all with me? I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you and show you when somebody puts a value on your worship. You go to church every Sunday. You give. You volunteer your time to your community. You do all that stuff. They put a value on what you do for God. And what Judas is doing here is he's sitting there looking at somebody else's worship, calling up the cost of where they worship but not counting up the cost of what God had did in order to exchange for, in order for that exchange of worship. You got to be careful of trying to measure how much belongs to God and how much belongs to you. Amen. And I'm not talking about money. Amen. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about your worship. If, if you t- there's, a song, there's, a, there's a psalm that says, if I had a thousand tongues, I would not be able to what? Praise him enough because that's the kind of worship that God, that God, God belongs. The Bible that belongs to God. The, the, the Bible says in Psalms 1, blessed is the man that walketh not. The counsel of the God in the, nor. But his delight is in the, doth he, what? Day and, day and night. Now go back to Joshua 1. Joshua 1, God tells uh, uh, um, uh, Joshua in chapter 1 to be, not, to be not fearful, but be of good courage. And to what? Meditate on the word. What does that mean? The word meditate does not mean y'all that, you know, that ain't that ain't meditation. That, that's 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 not what it means biblically. Uh, 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 meditation in the Hebrew actually means that you start quoting the word of God under your breath all day. <laughs> How many of us do that? No, y'all got rap songs and cussing and all that, a lot of stuff under your breath. You got all types of plans, but no, no, no. The purpose is so that you have, you are constantly speaking life all day. All day, you're speaking life. The problem that I have is how many of us have enough scripture that we can quote all day? How many of us have enough in us that we can quote and speak all day? So I'm almost done with Jesus now is tempted in St. Matthew, uh, second or third chapter. And when he goes up to the mountain, uh, uh, Satan tells him to cast the bread in, or cast the stone into bread. And what does he tell him? He says, man shall not live by, but by every 
word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, meaning that everything that comes out of his mouth is what I feast on. When he exhales, when he expires, his word I inspire. My job is to take this word and ingest it as it breathes on me. And then what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to be like him. After he spills his words out and I ingest it, I'm supposed to take those words and spill those words out to my, to, around me. Amen. So I'm supposed to speak life. Amen. I'm supposed to speak love. I'm supposed to speak hope. I'm supposed to speak joy. I'm not supposed to be speaking gossip. I shouldn't be able to tell you the latest of what's going on in Cardi B every day. I should know more about scripture than what I know about everything else in life. And if all of those things have more is, is, is inside of you and ingested in you more than the word of God, then you got to question, what are you ingesting? Amen. What are you ingesting more than the word of God? Are y'all with me? Yes. So now we see here that Judas is counting up her oil or counting up the cost of her oil. And he said, why is this fragrance sold for 300 denarii and can be given to the poor? Uh, he didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And watch this. He, well, he wasn't caring about no, you know, that's, that's, you know, never mind. He was in charge of the money bag and was still part of it and would still what was part, what was put in it. So he already had, he's sitting here looking at her worship and he's like, man, I could be using that. I could be selling that oil and I could be getting half and putting the other half in the bag, saying that it's worth more. So if he's telling Jesus it's 300, it might have been worth 600. Then you're crazy because you're lying to Jesus. So Jesus says, leave her what? Alone. She has kept it for the day of my. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. What he's saying is that she's going to use this oil to prepare my body for the grave. She learned from the experience with Lazarus is don't wait till death to worship, but worship him now. Hmm. What she's showing us in this text is don't start praying when things get hard. That is when we are the strongest prayer warriors in the world. We are the ultimate warriors of prayer when the devil is kicking our back in. What he's showing us is that before <clears throat> trials and tribulations happen, you should already have relationship with God. When things are good, you should be saying thank you. When things seem out of control, you should be saying thank you. When things seem to be going all right, you should say thank you. And there's two different types of people. There's the folks that can only say thank you when things are going good. And then there's the other folks that can only say help me. They don't even say thank you. Help me when things are going bad. But there has to be consistency in praise. I don't have enough time to, to, to go into this whole text, but we find out later on that the other Mary goes to the grave after Jesus had already went to the grave after his resurrection. And maybe we'll talk about that on Resurrection Sunday. And the Bible says that she was bringing bitter herbs to preserve the body. But Jesus was already gone. What would have happened if she would have waited till Sunday morning of next year next, or two weeks from now on Resurrection Sunday? She would have been like the other Mary. She would have got there and she would have never been able to use the oil because Jesus would have already risen from the dead. 
So the fact that she was obedient and she did it at the right time with the right heart and with the right courage and the right spirit, God was able to bless her. I'm going to close here. <clears throat> Hope y'all got something today. I ain't got much to say today. They you know to holler and scream. But what I'm saying today, I said all that to say this, is that the lessons of a worshiper is three points, and I'm going to sit down. Point number one, you guys with me? There are three types of people in the church. Those who serve, those who sit, and those who worship. Now watch this. Just because you serve don't mean you can't worship. And just because you worship don't mean you can't serve. But the last thing we want to do is just be sitting. So we need servers and worshipers in the church. Martha did a great job because she was serving. But what, imagine how much more powerful it would have been if two people were in his presence Amen. or two people came in his name because where two or three are gathered, he's in the midst. Imagine if two or three came to his feet and worshiped together. Number two, worship consists of all the glory belonging to God. The Bible says she wiped his feet with her. If you go to 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, Paul begins to share that a woman's glory is in her hair. All right. So the purpose, it was symbolic of her laying her feet, her hair on his feet as basically submitting all of her glory, all of her ego, all of who she was and laying it at God's feet to say to God, you are you are my everything. When we worship, we have to be able to release everything, let go and give it all to him. Amen. Number three. Don't allow someone to measure how it says how to worship, but I should have said how you worship God. Now, I'm not here to teach decency and order. There's one thing to just be out of control. But there's another thing that's when you're worshiping and somebody's sitting here telling you, I think you're doing too much. You don't know my testimony. You don't know my story. You don't know how far God has brought me from. So what you don't want to do is you don't want anybody to try to put some type of measurement on your worship. And one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to put measurement on someone else's worship. <laughs> Carrie, you was cool and everything, but when you started crying, <laughs> I, I'm just picking on Carrie because she's sitting here. Y'all come sit up here. I'll pick on y'all every Sunday, too. Y'all like, nah, y'all, I'll sit back there. Y'all come on. Next Sunday, everybody sit up here. I'm going to just roast. Let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, you just cried too, too much every Sunday. You was doing all right. Y'all was singing good, but then when I looked over on your side, you just had tears coming out your eye. Is all that necessary every Sunday? Every Sunday, you just... <laughs> I just got to look at Vanessa because she don't worship. <laughs> Let me stop. <laughs> we put in a measurement and we're, we're, we're judging on someone's worship, but we don't know what Kara went through this week. We don't know what she went through this year. We don't know what she's going through currently. And rather than us sitting here looking at her crying, maybe you need to lift your hands and close your eyes and say, God, I don't know what she's going through, but God, I'm in agreement that you touch and do whatever you're doing in her life. Don't put measurement on anyone's glory. So that's the lessons of a worshiper, y'all. Next Sunday, we're going to deal with... Uh, Next Sunday, we're going to deal with uh, Palm Sunday. And we're going to deal with how you loved one day. And within the next week, you hate it. I never understood 
how you could feed 5,000 people with a couple loaves and a couple fish and 5,000 people didn't show up at your gravesite or at the cross and say, nah, 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 nah. That's the savior right there. I seen, I never understand how you raise people's daughters from the grave. I never understood how you healed the maim. Y'all know what maim means? What maim mean? You, you ain't got limbs. Like things were growing on people when he was laying. Could, could y'all imagine? Let me tell you something. Jesus came in here and somebody ain't got no leg and the leg grew. Thank you, Jesus. But when he got under the most intense pressure, we don't hear about none of them at the foot of the cross. And that's going to show us that sometimes that you don't get excited when you're at your peak sometimes. I don't want to bring in, you know, the world to, the, you know, church, you know, the, the secular world. But this, it, this, this thing really bothered me this week. Uh, last Sunday night, I'm sitting there and um, I'm scrolling through social media and I see Nipsey Hussle was killed. Y'all like, who's Nipsey? Some of y'all, y'all, oh, y'all like, Nipsey Russell been dead. <laughs> like, no, no, not Nipsey Russell. <laughs> Some of y'all, oh, y'all like, Nipsey Russell. <laughs> What are you doing out there in South Central? <laughs> no, not Nipsey Russell. Nipsey Hustle. <laughs> when I saw Nipsey Hustle die, and then they, they showed pictures throughout the week of the guy that killed him used to stand in his background and celebrate him. That sometimes the people closest to you are the ones that will portray you to harshness. Now, I'm not here to try to stir up confusion and stir the pot and y'all looking at your neighbor today like, see? Nah, I don't want y'all looking around, looking at somebody thinking they plotting on you. But it, it's just a, a, a true dynamic. David said that he never would have thought that the enemy that would attack him would come from his house. Jesus had, yes, Judas. And some of the greatest enemies in the Bible, if you go through the Old Testament, all of the ites, the Hittites, Gadites, Moabites, all those ites, guess what? They come from the seed of Abraham too. Sometimes it's the closest thing to you that causes the biggest conflict. So that's why I got to say sometimes when God takes you certain places and opens certain doors and folks are patting you on the back, I'm not saying don't be grateful and say thank you, but don't, don't just take everything in and just think that everybody's for you. Because if Jesus can be betrayed, all of us can be betrayed. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go2hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.